I am Paul Scharf, Church Ministries representative with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, and I uh, so appreciate these opportunities to share with you here. Just a quick word uh, before I ask you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 3 is um, that my... um, my appreciation to Stephen again for an interview that we did earlier this year. I've written a series of columns about that that uh, are all available now. The series is complete. They're all available on my page at sermonaudio.com slash pscharf, S-P-S-C-H-A-R-F. You can also find uh, the very latest, the final in that series today at sharperiron.org. So I hope that will be an encouragement and a blessing to you as you read them. Today, I'd like to draw our attention to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, sort of picking up on the um, idea that we left off with the last time I was uh, privileged to join with you. We were in Daniel chapter 2. And so we're going to think today from Daniel chapter 3 about the question, to whom will you bow? To whom will you bow? This is an amazing chapter that stands out in the first half of the book of Daniel, the biographical or historical section of the book, as uh, Daniel's three friends are featured for the only time that we see them used that way in Daniel's writing, and it's the last time we ever hear about them. And the setting could not be more amazing. It occurs in the plain of Dura, where Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits or 90 feet and its width six cubits or nine feet. And we assume that that is uh, a human statue, a human image that he sets up on a base, which allows it to be that tall without appearing to be grotesque. And uh, that this uh, golden image that he sets up is uh, constructed in uh, probably out of wood that is gold-plated, covered with gold. And you'll notice that this image of gold that the king constructs here is to make a point in response to Daniel's interpretation and prophecy that he gives of Nebuchadnezzar's dream back in Daniel chapter 2, when Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar about the dream that he had received of an image of the rule of man on the earth that had a head of gold, and Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, you, O king, are a king of kings, Daniel 2.37. He said in verse 38, you are this head of gold, and then he said something in verse 39 that Daniel, that Nebuchadnezzar, excuse me, could never have fathomed and could not comprehend. He said, after you. Nebuchadnezzar thought, after me. <laughs> there won't be anyone after me. In fact, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to set up an entire golden image to show that from the head to the toe, it's all about me. I'm the ruler. I'm the tyrant. I'm in control. And Nebuchadnezzar not only set up this image, but notice what he did in verse 2. 
he sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which he had set up. And notice verse 3, it's very repetitive. It says, so the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together there for the dedication of the image. My, that was tedious to read through that same list two times in a row, wasn't it? What's the point? Ah, it's to get us to see what this setting was really like. There was complete unanimity, absolute uniformity. That's what our culture is asking of us today, isn't it? Total dedication, total unanimity, total uniformity, ironically, in the name of fostering what? Diversity. But there's no desire for diversity. There's a demand for unanimity. And then there was this added dimension, which we have not even seen here yet this morning in this text. And by the way, because we started late, uh, I know we need to end soon and I want to be going very far. And perhaps this can even be uh, the first part that we can resume another time. But you'll still get the point this morning from what we cover. Because verse 4 says, Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of of a burning fiery furnace. Now, by the way, let me say there are so many details in this chapter that I can't begin to cover here. If you're interested, I do have a series on Daniel up on my page here on Sermon Audio. But verse 7 says, So at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. You say, certainly, this, these couldn't be the same Chaldeans who'd had their lives spared in the previous chapter by Daniel and his three friends after that amazing prayer meeting that we considered the last time I was with you. Oh, yes, it was the same group who now are quick to accuse these young Jewish men that remember the top of the class of all the Chaldeans, the best that Nebuchadnezzar had. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Notice the charge they bring to the king. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. 
they do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, that first charge was so ridiculous that it is simply dropped, even by King Nebuchadnezzar. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. Well, that was absolutely absurd. These were the greatest servants in all of Babylon as we close chapter 2. But that last part was indeed true. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. I'm going to stop there this morning and just ask the question, uh, the title of our devotional today, to whom will you bow? To whom will you bow? Uh, will you join in the unanimity, indeed the euphoria, that our culture offers to us so often, and we could name particular times, couldn't we, that it's happened uh, or that it happens on a regular basis where some event happens and we are asked to join with virtually everyone in, in complete, offer a united front of complete rejoicing in falsehood, in evil. And the whole culture bows down and exposes those who are standing, who refuse to bow. And to whom will you bow? There's these three men. We, we see just partially the first point of the chapter this morning. They didn't bow. Now, I'm assuming and inferring that they did bow to the Lord God. There's no prayer meeting in this chapter like there is in chapter 2. But I can't help but believe that there must have been one, even though it's not described. And these men bowed to the Lord God, and therefore they had the strength to refuse to bow to this cultural command that demanded of them, literally, their hearts and their minds and their souls. And they wouldn't give it. They refused. They wouldn't bow. To whom will you bow? And will you uh, take this cue, not only from the courage and example of these men living in a pagan land, but remember how chapter 2 is already described for us, their incredible relation to the Lord God in prayer. We see their trust for him evident in this chapter. And again, we can only infer they surely must have bowed at this moment in prayer and sought wisdom from God. So I thank you again for the opportunity to speak to you. I'm so sorry for the technical issue, but I hope that you've heard me clearly. And I uh, ask for uh, God's blessing on our time and on all of you, wherever you may be. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Stephen, again for this opportunity and for the work of Sermon Audio.